Overworked, a podcast. Bold storytelling. Balanced lives. Brighter futures. Welcome to Overworked with myself, Mossmi, Challen, Caitlin, and Jill. Today we have a fun episode and it was actually stemmed from Eric Severinghouse's um, podcast. So you, if you haven't listened to that, that was episode four, where we talked about climbing the proverbial ladder. But one of the things that came up in that podcast was about pitching your story. And how do you pitch your story? How do you pitch with the purpose? This topic is very near and dear to mine and Challen's heart. Um, I'm a strategist and Challen is a marketer. So we literally pitch every day. Um, So it's literally in our DNA. And pitching can apply to so many situations from, you know, obviously pitching your business, but even to getting a raise, to raising investor money, there's lots of different reasons why you need to figure out what your elevator pitch is and also what your purpose is. It was Maya Angelou who said, there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside of you. And I take this to mean so many different things. One, it's use your voice. And two, design the life you want by creating and starring in your own story. Masa, you're so right. This is something that, to your point, is so near and dear to our heart. We talk about it at work. We talk about it on our teams. We talk about it with our clients. I talk about it on our boards um, that I I talk through, you know, how we create messaging and how we make sure it aligns to our personal brand. Whether it's for your company or for you, your brand needs to reflect your values. What are the deal breakers, good or bad, the things you require or the things that you just won't stand for? Um, And I think that's something that I learned pretty later on into my career. Um, Both of those are really, really important. So in your career, it's important to keep in mind that you spend 40 hours a week doing that job with those people talking about those topics. So it's really important to make sure that your brand and your purpose align. And also everybody who's listening, just bear with me. I swear I'm 36 weeks pregnant and this baby is killing my lung capacity. (laughs) Not to mention I live in Fort Collins, so I'm at 5,000 feet here. So I'm like really double duty over here. So if I'm breathless, it's just my life right now. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, as as it gets right. So that's okay. <laughs> for real, who knew this was a thing? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't either. Um, but you know, it's but, part of your story right now and, and your authentic. <laughs> so that works well with our, you know, with our pitches. Oh my um, gosh. Thank you, Moss. <laughs> I love the grace you're giving me following our conversation with grace, like for real. Thank you. Of course. So when we get back to talking about um, a good pitch, um, I personally believe that a good pitch needs to have a purpose. Um, It has to have a beginning and an end. And when I think back to all the pitches that I've won, authenticity and storytelling are the biggest key factors. Um, I often come in talking about my experience things that I know how to do and things that I know how to do well. So basically I focus on my strengths. And I think it always resonates with people when they realize I'm not a bullshit artist and you know, I actually do know what I'm talking about. So I feel like that authenticity puts people at ease and lets them, you know, vibe with my work a little bit more. And the storytelling aspect is also important um, because I think people these days want to connect to something and they want to engage with something. 
When we think about last year and, you know, all the BLM stories that were out there and all the brands who tried to say something about it, the ones that resonated were more just kind of the simple stories of people just talking and not the big, you know, million dollar productions. Um, So I think people want to see themselves in the narrative so they can draw from their own lives and experiences and connect with something. Challen, what are some other factors that you think um, people need to put into their pitches as, you know, they start to do this and market it? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, The number one thing is authenticity. If you're trying to sell something that you don't truly believe in or it doesn't align with your beliefs, um, your values, your purpose, your company's purpose and mission, it's going to show. There are so many instances where a company or a person says something and it is so fake and phony and it ends up coming out. Today you can't hide it. It's you're everywhere. You're on social media and people can dig into your past and everything from, you know, people today being progressive and liberal or whatever they are. And then you look back and they did blackface, you know, like those are things that you can't hide. Um, And that's a really extreme example, but um, it just goes to show like whatever you say has to come from your North star. So some of the things that you and I have talked about, again, thinking back to what your values are, really getting clear on those. Like, what are the four things that you stand for or your organization stands for? And everything else kind of ladders to that. That's sort of your umbrella message. So knowing your values, knowing your audience, because you may not be the right person for other people. Um, I recently read an article. um, Actually, it was Brene Brown. Of course it was. Um, and it was from 2020 when she was being kind of outspoken, um, actually not pro Donald Trump. And she got a lot of backlash on Twitter, on every social media platform. Um, and her whole thing was, I'm not here for everyone. And it's totally fine for you to go ahead and unfollow me if your values don't align with mine. Um, And I thought that was really powerful because it sets expectations right out of the gate that just because she has really great research, it may not align with other people's values. So knowing your audience, knowing who might follow you and who might not, and being okay with that, I think is huge. I I was just going to say, I love that. And I think the reminder there is you can't be everything to everyone. So right. again, figure out what your values are and then figure out who your audience is. Um, because not, I think I read somewhere that you're not pizza. Not everyone's going to like you. <laughs> and, you know, you have to think about that. Like, who do I want to get this and like this and buy it? That's right. who you go for. A hundred percent. And again, being okay with that. I think, um, you know, REI is very, I'm serious about sustainability. So when they say we're going to stop selling swag to Salesforce, um, which we saw recently, um, or not just Salesforce, but Salesforce just comes to mind because I always see their swag (laughs) at Salesforce's conferences. Um, But they're going to stop selling swag, which is a huge source of revenue for them, but it is not sustainable because people throw that stuff away. You know, they knew that and that was okay with them. So Know your audience, know um, if it's around messaging and narrative. Is it, are you trying to say something high level, trend setting, bigger picture, 
Or are the people that you really want to connect with the ones who are executioners who you need to tell how to do something and get into the nitty gritty nuts and bolts. So there are lots of different ways that that comes to life. Um, But knowing your audience is huge. And then one that you always talk about, Moss, and I absolutely agree with you, is having a purpose or a North Star. Um, We kind of touched on this a minute ago, but do you want to kind of elaborate on that? Sure. Um, I think when you're doing a pitch, it's really about what do you want to tell someone? And and I always say that in the first 30 seconds, you need to tell me the most important things, right? So for instance, REI, you mentioned sustainability. That is, you know, one of their big goals. Tell me that in the first 30 seconds. If you're an independent fashion brand and, you know, um, diversity is your calling and you, you want to show that fast fashion is bad and diversity is good. You know, those are things that I need to know again in the first 30 seconds. I also think that as you start to have a purpose and, you know, being a strategist, this is what I talk to companies about all the time. It's what do you want to do? And what you do then is as you set up your yearly calendar, everything should point to that North star. So it doesn't always have to be a pie in the sky North star. It could be something like, I want to increase my revenue by 10%, you know, which is typically more of a business goal, but that's okay. If that is your um, North star, that's okay. Um, But then every project you do should point to that. Um, So for instance, if you're putting in investments that will help you get to that, great. Um, But if you're doing a lot of like side work, because, you know, I think that's cool. And I think it may affect something. And that's where you start to realize that, There's only 24 hours in a day, as we know. And so it's really important to focus on the things that are going to move you towards that North Star. So this is something that I would do, you know, I don't want to say soul searching, but I'm going to say soul searching, you know, brainstorm, brainstorm what's important to you, brainstorm why you got into this business in the first place. If you're a food truck, was it to like make the best burger there ever was, you know, put that, that could be your North Star, you know, again, if you're an independent fashion brand and you want to do diversity and inclusion and sustainability, put that in there. Um, If you're just doing something for yourself and talking about your own elevator pitch and your North Star might be um, becoming a CMO, you know, by the time you're 40 years old or something like that. So, you know, that is something that, again, you work towards. So a long time ago, me and Talon actually did a whole thing about aligning with your purpose and setting intentions and goals and what that meant. So part of that is really important is to one, set your intention, you know, and your intention is your daily habits that get you towards your goals. So as you're creating your pitch, it's it's similar things that you want to think about. Um, I think we're realizing that every single topic we talk about is related, right? The self-love, the self-care, the setting boundaries, the overcoming the fear, aligning with the purpose, all of it is related. um, And all of it gets you to being a better business person. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like maybe the North Star of what we end up talking about ends up being, you know, thinking about the bigger picture. All of these things are bringing your whole self to work and to life and to the things that are really important to you instead of kind of segmenting yourself, um, which is something that I'm really glad has changed from a personal standpoint. I remember early in my career thinking like I had to bring my most polished self to work and I couldn't be, you know, the Southern Illinois kind of hillbilly that I truly am at heart. 
Um, and now that I'm a little bit further in my career and I have a better understanding of what my purpose is and what my values are, that's who I am. And I kind of love being able to bring that to work. And, you know, on my team, I get to be the leader I want to be, um, which is somebody who's really, you know, I, I'm very direct and transparent and I always will be. And I think earlier in my career, I kind of wanted to shield my teams from that because it seemed like it wasn't the norm. And so, yeah, I think all that kind of just ties back to bringing your whole self to everything that you do. And that really is like what I think this podcast is about. I agree. And part of that, as you mentioned, is being authentic, right? And I don't know why, but these two rappers come to mind, um, Eminem and Vanilla Ice. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) But when Vanilla Ice came out, I remember he, he tried to show that, you know, he was from you know, a poor community and things like that. And then it came out that he was actually from like a middle-class family and all of that, um, you know, trying to sing about all these like tough issues. Um, and then you had Eminem who was just like, yeah, I'm from Detroit, you know, this is how I am. And never tried to be what he's not. Um, was extremely unapologetic with his lyrics and things like that and love him or hate him. He was definitely always very authentic, right? So um, Wasn't is. I, have you heard his most recent song that was basically like, F you guys, I'm going to do what I want. I'm like, yo, hey, that is his purpose. He knows his North Star. He knows his North Star. I love it. <laughs> Brings us to the next thing. And I think it's um, research. Um, you know, as you do your pitch, the other important aspect is once you have your purpose, research. Are there other competitors out there? Um, how are you different? And, and as you go, I'm thinking of like Shark Tank, you know, as you go in and they start to ask you, how is, how are you different? Do you have patents on this? Or, um, you know, how, how much have you sold? Those are the things you need to start asking yourself. I think, you know, I mentioned in the beginning of the pod that I always go in as a subject matter expert and talk about the things I know. This is where you need to become an expert about your pitch. Um, Because if you're selling, you know, I think, Chalyn, you mentioned menstrual cups. If you're selling menstrual cups, you're going to have to figure out what else is there on the market. What do they do? Why is your product better? Yeah, I mean, this is when I was doing consulting one on one and through every agency I ever worked with. The number one thing was who are your competitors and how are you different? And I can't tell you how many times people were like, I'm just better. And I'm like, no, you're going to have to do a little soul searching. And dig a little bit deeper because I guarantee you the other guy is saying the same thing. So truly, how are you different? Um, how is your approach different? What do you bring to your customers that others don't? Um, I mean, I'm not even kidding you. Every time they're like, we're just better. And I'm like, just better is not a good pitch. <laughs> Unless you revolutionize the space, I promise you. <laughs> Unless you're Elon Musk get out of here. <laughs> Helen, what is white space? Um, oh, tell everyone what white space is. That's a great question. So that's kind of the, the second part to what I always ask a client. Um, how are you filling? How are you finding and filling white space? So you have all these competitors who are doing something super, super similar. And, you know, we do consulting. So there are a lot of consultants out there. So when we talk about what we do, you have to really dig and figure out how are you differentiated and what's what is different about your message or if you're creating content, how is your content different? 
Um, and it's truly basically just eliminating the noise. So um, anytime I've done this from a PR standpoint, it's like you do the research, you see what competitors are saying, and maybe they're talking about B2B industries. Okay, great. How do you dig a little bit deeper? Do you break that into even more verticals like manufacturing or chemicals or, you know, whatever that looks like? Um, or is it deciding, okay, if, if everyone is talking about how businesses are talking online on social media, what are the other things that you can look at? Where are they not talking? Um, so it's essentially just finding a gap in the market um, or in the message. Um, and it takes the research and the time and the commitment to figuring that out. Um, but once you do, it gives you your competitive advantage, however that comes to life. That's so important. Um, it brings to mind, I don't know if you guys watched this, I, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, there was one on Netflix and one on Hulu about the Fire Festival story. And um, to me- Oh my gosh, yeah. It was fucking fascinating, right? Like it was- <laughs> I mean, seriously, what a mad scientist, evil genius. <laughs> right. Like the fact that he had a bunch of models and famous, people pitching this amazing festival on an island that you had to spend $90,000 for. It was smart. And was it like Ja Rule who was also promoting it? And you're like, oh, Ja Rule, that, that totally hits my market, right? Right, right, exactly. So, um, you know, it was just, it was really smart marketing. Of course, they had nothing to back it up. But from a marketing standpoint, they did all the right things. They they got people excited about something. They had beautiful promotional materials. And that's one of mine and Chalence's soapboxes is be polished. And um, the fact that attention to detail is not optional. Um, I can't tell you how much Chal and I talk about this, but if you're going to have PowerPoints, if you're going to have handouts, um, having good quality images, um, making sure the copy is beautiful. Um, you know, all of that means a lot. Yeah. And I think it goes from being polished both visually, but also from your narrative. And I think this is something that you hit on too, is like, make sure you're telling people what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them again to make sure you're really driving your message home. And all of that comes from being polished and knowing your message. And then you can make it really beautiful and copy edit, copy edit, copy edit, please, please copy edit. Um, because the last thing I would do is hire somebody who didn't pay attention. Um, because what are you not going to pay attention to on my project? It's huge, super important. Um, and I think you talk about this too, and just making sure again, backing up what you're pitching, being able to talk about how you've already done it for other people or how you've excelled in it or why you're the best. And you do this really well for yourself as a SME. <laughs> it's true. I mean, the messages you go out with um, in articles and media all tie back to who you are and what you care about and what your expertise is. So you do a really great job at that, Moss. Thank you, Talon. So I think we talked about a lot of tactics that you need um, for your pitch. You know, some of it, it's knowing your audience, having a North Star, figuring out the white space. How are you different? Doing the research. The rule of three, tell me what you're going to tell me, tell me, and then tell me what you told me. And then, of course, the attention to detail. Next, um, Chalyn, let's talk about authenticity. You know, we mentioned it in the beginning, but there's so much more there. Yeah, I mean, I think we hit it at the beginning, but it you can't say it enough. 
Um, as you mentioned, it's being able to tell your story genuinely, um, authentically being able to point back to examples of why that's important to you, your purpose and your values. Um, because in order to tell your story well, it has to be truthful. And when it is, it will resonate with your audience. There's no doubt um, that if you tell your story authentically, the people who feel the same or have similar experiences will feel the same too. They'll have, it'll resonate with them. It'll bring that experience to life for them. Um, and I think that's what good storytelling does is it brings an experience to life. Um, so from things like the Black Lives Movement to sustainability, we touched on all of these, um, but companies right now are challenged to speak up on social topics. Actually, Moss, you just shared something with me yesterday around um, Basecamp, right? Right, Jason yeah, Fried? that was awesome. I mean, not awesome what they're doing, but an awesome story. <laughs> um, will you give a, a quick Reader's Digest version of that? Yeah, so Basecamp, the company, um, recently had 40% attrition, so 40% of the people leaving the company. And the founders of the company tried to sell the company on, you know, values that, you know, we care about the employees, we care about work-life balance and things like that. Well, as the company started to get more and more successful, those values kind of went out the window. And the people who had signed on to start working with the company they, they really cared about those values. So in the end, when they figured out that Basecamp wasn't really meeting all of those values, they started to leave. So I sent it to Chellen. It's just a really good um, story in the sense of you can't ever lose sight of the purpose. You can't ever lose sight of your values. Like if those are your values from day one, they need to stay your values um, in the end. And Values can change, but they cannot change so drastically that your employees are fed up and want to leave. So, yeah, yeah interesting story. And though I think the interesting thing there, too, is the people who were leaving were people who had been with the company since the beginning. They were they truly believed in the organization. And actually, I've followed Jason Freed for quite a while in my career just because um, I love their a remote workforce. They have. Um, I'm trying to remember um, correctly, but they had like no meeting Thursdays, like a lot of things that aligned with things that I believed in. Um, so hearing this story, even though it's not a big company, I think it reflects a lot of what we see in the market, which is right now people expect to be able to talk about social topics. They also expect their leadership to authentically talk about what the organization's stance is on those topics. And a company like Basecamp, which was built on authenticity and transparency um, and teamwork and, you know, all the things that are really important. And if you can't bring your whole self to work and talk about important issues, it's really hard to have great teamwork and collaboration. Um, but by saying, hey, team, stop talking about important topics, they were basically going against what they were built on and losing really important talent. Um, so it just points back to the importance of authenticity, keeping with your values, keeping with your company's values. And yes, to your point, you can evolve, but maybe don't totally transform. <laughs> exactly. Um, a couple of, um, you know, smaller businesses in and around the Chicago area um, come to mind. One was um, Bucket Feet. I saw this start from the beginning and the 
the people who created it had a simple idea. They were going to use artists um, to, you know, draw on the shoes and, and make them unique. And the other thing they were going to do is they were going to go um, and, and I'm not sure if it was donate shoes or donate money. I can't remember. But a large part of that was socially conscious shopping, right? Socially conscious e-commerce where um, you're buying something, but that money is also being used to help other countries and help other people. Um, Tom's also started that. So as part of your authenticity, if social conscious issues are important to you, let people know. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And, um, you know, Chan, you always say this, um, that communications of that messaging is extremely important. Yeah, I mean, I think you... You have these values and you build them for your organization and for yourself. And if you keep them to yourself or you don't really um, make them palpable in your organization, then what do they really mean? How do people really align with them? And when you're hiring, how do you how do you sell something that people can't see and feel? And so from internal communications with your employees and making sure that you know, if you are a transparent organization, which today you kind of have to be, how transparent are you? How do you make your teams feel like they're part of the conversation and not just getting broadcasted to? And I think this is something that we've seen come to life in so many different ways um, from, you know, sharing things externally to having town halls. And, you know, if you're a public company, you have to do this. You have no no choice, but you have to share that, disclose all of that information. But yeah, you have to make sure that each of your stakeholders is aware of, of where what your stance is and aligned to it. So employees, investors, customers, partners, because today people really want to make sure that they they feel connected to what you're doing. And so all of that comes down to communicating early and often and clearly um, and just making sure that you stay aligned to your values. Right. Agreed. So it's not just enough to be authentic. You also have to let people know in your messaging how you're authentic or, or you know, what sets you apart. Let's talk a little bit about solutions. How, how do you create, you know, this perfect pitch? And one of the things that I do, and this is really silly, um, but, you know, I come from a dance background and I used to practice my dance over and over again before a performance. I think the same way about speaking engagements and about, you know, doing your pitch, practice it. Think of the questions you may get asked and come up with the answers. I think it's really important not to seem too rehearsed, but also everyone appreciates a polished presentation and I'm talking from head to toe, right? So making sure, of course, your materials are polished. I once pitched to Harley Davidson and um, if anyone who knows me knows, I like to walk around in heels and I'm very put together. And I literally had someone come and tell me and ask me if I owned a pair of jeans and a T-shirt. And I was like, well, like, yeah, but I never wear that into work. And they said, well, for Harley Davidson, it's not going to look right if you walk into a business, into the meeting in a business suit. So I actually put on jeans and sneakers and a T-shirt and pitched to Harley Davidson. And, you know, we won. So I think part of it is also when you know your audience, understanding, um, you know, how you can fit into their world, because that's part of what you're trying to do. You're, you're trying to show them that, hey, we know how to do this. And hey, you know, I can think like you and talk like you. And what that does is it, it puts everyone at ease. So I would say practice, know your audience, 
Um, and of course that polished presentation. Yeah. I feel like that's a really good point that often gets overlooked. We pitched, um, Lily Pulitzer and like, you're not going to walk in there in a black suit. You're going to wear hot pink, yellow, teal. You want them to feel like you reflect their brand too. So I think whether it's Harley Davidson or a female brand, making sure that you know your audience and know how to make them feel like you know them and their brand is seriously half of the battle. Another solution that I think we learned from a previous podcast with Topeka was around asking the hard questions early and often. I think her point was asking yourself those hard questions to figure out what your values are and what's important to you and how to set boundaries. I loved that conversation with her. And I think from an individual standpoint and from an organizational standpoint, actually, um, just making sure that you really do the, the deep digging and the soul searching early so that when you do create all of this messaging and the communications and the brand, it's really authentic. I agree. I think when you do all this, it should feel good to you. If, you know, check in with your gut. If it doesn't feel good to you, then there's something missing. And, you know, pitches are one of those things that you write and rewrite. I, I actually start my pitch process on sticky notes. Um, I, I create a sticky note for each thought I have and I kind of put I've them in I've seen you do this. I've got that and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is such a great approach. <laughs> and then what I do is I move the sticky notes around um, to create the timeline of the story. Again, storytelling. And that's when I start putting thoughts to PowerPoint or, you know, whatever medium you use. But that's when I start to put things to PowerPoints. Challen often helps me with getting, you know, powerful imagery and she helps me with my copy editing. And then I practice it and then we get it out. Um, but that thought process, I would say spend time on that thought process. Um, and whether you do sticky notes or you, I've, I've seen my friends like write a bunch of things down on their phone. That thought process is really important because what it does is it hones in on the storytelling. And again, you know, if you're pitching to, you know, a C-level executive, you have like 30 seconds to a minute to make an impression to where they're going to be like, I guess I'll be dialed in and listen to the rest of it. So start with your most impactful messaging first. Um, You know, tell them what you need to tell them in the middle, but end also in an impactful way, you know, and I I think those are some of the ingredients. Yeah. And you always say this too, um, repeat back what you've heard. So your pitch should reflect what they want, what your audience or what your customer or what the pursuit wants, right? Like you're not telling your story just to tell your story. You're telling how your story weaves with theirs um, to solve their problem. Um, And I feel like a lot of times, sometimes that gets lost, at least in in a pitch, like you're actually pitching for business, something like that. You have to absolutely understand what your customer needs, and then how you solve it, especially specifically from your competitive advantage. And I think by starting with either sticky notes or literally just white slides in PowerPoint, forget all the fancy design, just getting that story straight first is, is like the best step to getting started. I agree. And I think, you know, we've talked also about, you know, which pitches were successful. I've also had several failures along the way, but the most important thing about that is learning, learning what failed, you know, was the PowerPoint not good enough? Was I too verbose? Did I not rehearse enough? 
I think the the times when I failed the most, I've realized that I didn't listen to the client enough or it wasn't aligned with something that I actually want to do. So it goes back to the either the purpose or what you just said, Shal, and listening to the client. Um, and, well, and you're, you're totally right. And uh, maybe it's not a failure, but I think about this too from like pitching myself for a job. I remember one job that I wanted so bad or I thought I wanted it so bad. And then I got in there and the person I was going to report to was basically my same level. I wouldn't have been learning a lot. She was very clear that her expectation was a square peg and a square hole, which our listeners know is not my style. Um, But I went into it thinking like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be amazing. I can't believe I'm in the third round interview, blah, blah, blah. And then I came out of it and I felt so terrible. I felt like there is no way that I align to this, that I can grow here. And basically, I not basically, I literally ended the meeting saying, I think we can agree to disagree here. Um, Thank you for your time. I I left an interview feeling that way. And it was really shocking, but also the kind of failure that I think you need um, as you're looking for a job or you're looking for a client um, to just acknowledge whether or not it aligns with you. I love that. And I think what happens and what you just mentioned is they're not only interviewing you, you're interviewing them because you're with them eight to 10 hours a day, right? So like, are they people that align with your values? Does the company align with your values? Um, I think that's important and a great segue into our inspiration section. So Caitlin. Yeah, I actually, it lines up pretty much exactly with one of the main points that I wanted to cover because we've talked a lot about creating your own pitch and pitching your business successfully to other people, um, representing your company to other people in this episode. But it's also important to evaluate the pitches that are coming to you, regardless of if that's for a freelance job, a volunteering opportunity, a request to mentor somebody. Um, I mean, as, as consumers, we're getting pitched to literally all the time from ads on Instagram or on TV or whatever. And trying to evaluate those from the same perspective as creating your own pitch is so important. So from challenge example, if you're in an opportunity where you're interviewing for a job, okay, is this opportunity coming from an authentic place? Is the recruiter speaking authentically about their values? Are they communicating their values clearly? Are employees engaged and reviews are good? Are their values aligned with your own core values? And the thing that helped me when I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do after college, and I talked about this a little bit, I think in one of our early episodes, my own mantra this year has been focusing on what's important and not on what's immediate. So an opportunity for a freelance position that comes and lands in your lap is very immediate and it's very in your, in your face, but maybe it's not the most important thing to you or it's not aligning with where you want to go long-term. So taking these same principles of authenticity, of effective storytelling, uh, just and using those to evaluate how other people are pitching to you is just as important. For the other inspiration parts of this section, I do want to shout out the other resources we've linked on our website before. If you haven't listened to episode four featuring Eric Severinghaus, we shouted him out at the beginning, um, but he has great tips on how to pitch your business, including 
breaking past the mental block of being kind of over-enthusiastic and over-eager. You're not as over the top as you think you are if you're portraying this kind of um, big enthusiasm for your pitch. I also want to link an article that Challen wrote at the beginning of the year about creating your personal mission statement. So having a personal mission statement to refer back to and build off of gives you a really solid base material that you can adapt to any pitch, whether you're pitching yourself or a larger company that you're representing. So those are the two. If you need more help figuring out how to pitch yourself, refer back to those um, those pieces on our site, and we'll send out links to all of this in our end of month wrap up as well. Awesome. Thanks, Caitlin. So today's episode, episode number 10, is our season one finale. We're going to take a few weeks off to plan even better content for you coming this fall and enjoy the nice summer weather. And for Challen, that also means enjoying every minute that motherhood has to offer. Season two will launch this fall and we'll have so many great topics and guests coming up. So we're super excited for the future. But in the meantime, we'll still be posting content on our social media channels and website. So be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at We Are Overworked and at W Overworked on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel so you get notified when we release season two, episode one this fall. And we'll catch you then.